Hey everyone, welcome back to the Student Community Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Smith. I'm Daniel Douglas. And we are here for episode four, why save myself for marriage? Should be a lively conversation. But before we get into that topic, I think it's important we start with an icebreaker question because this this is going to be a deep topic, but I think it's going to be a necessary and good one. So, Daniel, do you have a question for us? Absolutely. Adam, where is the strangest place that you have ever fallen asleep? Ooh, wow. Strangest place I've ever fallen asleep. So are you a light sleeper or a deep sleeper? Um, I I mean, I'm I'm a pretty deep sleeper. Yeah, I I kind of am too. So you have like obviously you know, your bedrooms or, you know, someone's house, um, you have the car ride. I will say I had an ongoing joke with a buddy at my high school. I would go over to his house and stay the night, you know, multiple times. And I made it a running joke Mm -hmm. that I would sleep in the most random places in Mm -hmm. his house. So he had like, it was kind of like a catwalk uh, upstairs, like that led to his bedroom. So I slept there. I slept by the foot of the stairs. Um, I slept like on the floor, but listen, it got to the point where his parents knew that I was sleeping in all these random places. So one time I went over to his house and in the middle of the night, I got sick and I had like one of those 24 hour, just like vomit bugs. It was terrible. And so I was sleeping on the bathroom floor and I was severely dehydrated. And so his dad walks over cause it was a Sunday morning getting ready for church. And he was like, Oh, Adam's sleeping on the floor. He didn't really think anything of it, but I was up all night oh, throwing man. up. And so my dad had to come pick me up and it was not pretty. So, so that was a pretty miserable night. But you know, when he asked that question, that's the first place that comes to mind is all the different places I would sleep at my buddy's house. Mm -hmm. What about you? Can you think of a, a crazy place that you've fallen asleep? Well, so I, I always fall asleep in the car. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm for some reason when I'm not driving, um, I just like, and somebody else is driving and especially if it's like warm and I've had some food, I will just pass out. Like it's, it's incredible. Um, and it'll be like, I I remember when one point my brother-in-law and I were going to Walmart, um, they live about like seven minutes away from Walmart. And I literally fell asleep on that seven minute drive. Like just started to, to, to fall asleep. Um, so I guess car, but other than that, um, I grew up at like a camp in Michigan and they used to do like this tog, um, which was time alone with God on Sundays when you were like doing the certain program there. Um, and so I remember at one point I went out in the woods, like they live in the, it's in the middle of the woods. And so I went out in the woods and I fell asleep out in the woods. So, um, like no sleeping bag, nothing. I, it was just like, I was leaning up against a tree. <laughs> Do you know so, how long you were like, asleep um, for? I don't remember. It was like, this was a, well, like a while ago, but I, I remember just during that time, like I've fallen asleep out there. <laughs> I will, I will tell you some of the hardest sleeps I've ever had in my life have come after doing a youth group lock-in. There you go. Yeah. I sleep so <laughs> hard after all that. It's probably because of the delirium and yes, you know, absolutely. just the exhaustion, but absolutely. Yeah. Well, I love that question, but I also love this question that we're going to be talking about today too. This is a question that we've gotten uh, a number of times 
in the past couple of years, we've done kind of relationship uh, type talks with our youth group. And one of the cool aspects of these series that we'll do is that we'll ask students to text in anonymous questions. And without fail, almost every single time there is this question that comes up or something similar. Um, so, you know, so the question is, why should I save myself for marriage? Uh, can I have sex before married? What's the big deal about having sex before marriage? Um, what are, what are maybe some boundaries to set in relationships? So I think there's, this question could be asked a number of different ways, but it's a question that we get a lot of the times. I think it's a really important question, uh, something that gets asked a lot. And so Daniel, as you think about this question or the many variations of this question, what kind of comes to mind as this question is asked? Yeah, I think a big part of the reason why this question gets asked so much is because the world um, and our culture has separated um, the idea that sex and marriage go together. Like the culture says that they they don't need to go together anymore. And and if we look at the Bible, that is not at all what we see. We see that sex and marriage go together. They are like a part of the same thing. Um, and so it really comes from this, this idea of like our culture is saying one thing and, and like as Christians, we are saying something else. And so we're, we're trying to, to wade through like, okay, which, which of these is true. And so it's a phenomenal question to ask. And I think even asking like, okay, so if, if that's what the Bible says, like, why does the Bible say that? Um, like, where does it say that? And, and so really just trying to look at like, okay, what is, what is the reasoning behind? I was always one of those people who like, I need to know the why behind something. Um, and that really helps me. So I guess just kind of looking at the why, and that's what we're doing today is like, okay, why does the Bible say like, okay, sex and marriage go together? Um, yeah, it's, I think the Bible teaches that marriage is designed to be between one man and one woman for a lifetime. And sex is supposed to be designed as a part of marriage. It's, it is supposed to function inside that confine. And I know we've heard it, we've talked about this and we've heard it said before that sex can oftentimes be like fire. You know, if it's confined in the fireplace in your living room, it's a great thing. But the moment it breaks out of that, it can wreak a lot of chaos and havoc on the house and cause a lot of damage um, that you weren't maybe intending it to be. But uh, ultimately, sex is supposed to be designed into marriage. And I think that's what you're getting at is sex is designed for marriage, but oftentimes our culture or our society at large wants to remove it from its context and say, it's not, it's not that bad. It's not going to burn down your house. You'll be fine. Uh, is kind of like sometimes what it says. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like when the culture does that, they are, um, they're missing out on something that God has created that is so good. Like, so, I mean, sex is good. And like, that is, that's, and that's a fact, but it's like one of those things where it is so much better when we um, do it God's way, when we, when we, the way that God has designed it, when you have one person that you can share it with and, and like you get to know that person on such a deep, intimate level. Um, but if, if you take that outside of that and, and you're having sex with multiple people, like there's always consequences for, for actions, like any, anything you do, and it it could be a good, good consequence. It could be a bad consequence. Like there's always something that comes from your actions. Uh, and, and sex is that way where like, there are consequences. There's, there's some good things. There's some bad things as well. Um, and so just thinking about like, some of the consequences that can come from having premarital sex, well, you've got, I mean, you could have a baby like that's, I mean, sex was made for, uh, 
procreation. Like, yeah, not I mean, just that, recreation. Not just recreation. <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, like, that, that's, like, so true, though. Like, God created it. Like, he said, be fruitful and multiply when he was talking to Adam and Eve in Genesis. And, and so, like, part of sex is to have offspring. And so, like, when we're doing it outside of that, when our intent is, like, elsewhere like we don't want to have a kid because we're not married and and like we're not in a relationship like that's not right at all like sex part of sex is for that reason Mm -hmm. um and then i mean like it it creates this connection and like that connection is such a good thing that's that's god wants us to have a connection special connection with someone through sex but but when you have sex outside of marriage and you have that connection with somebody that's not your spouse that can be so damaging especially like if you break up the relationship ends there are like the 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 tear that happens is so deep because of that Uh, yeah and i would even love to to tap into that real mm-hmm. quick, just that connection piece, because um, I was doing some research a couple months ago, just about that connection factor that happens psychologically in the brain. And I'm by no means an expert. I'm just kind of regurgitating some emperor, some peer reviewed information that I've uh, been able to look at and studies that have been done. But the body and the brain really releases four feel good um, chem- chemicals like in your brain and all throughout your body. And maybe you've heard of some of these before. It's things like dopamine, endorphins, serotonin, and specifically this one called oxytocin. And oxytocin is also known as the love or the bonding hormone. And in this article that I was reading, I was so fascinated that um, it can get released in a variety of different ways, but oxytocin is released in three primary ways uh, in the human body. The first way that it gets released is when a woman is literally in labor, giving birth to a child. Uh, The second time that the most amount of oxytocin gets released is when a mother is breastfeeding her child. And then the third most you know, time, and again, this is in no particular order, um, but a, another way that oxytocin is released, this love or bonding chemical, is during sex. And so the ironic part about all three of those things is oxytocin, this love or bonding chemical, is released as it involves another person. And so this this hormone in our body, naturally, God designed it so that we could bond with the people through this chemical, through this um, you know thing called oxytocin. And it's literally meant to be like a glue that binds us and connects us and keeps us together. It's meant for a mother and her child, also a father with a child, and with a husband and a wife. It is literally like bonding you together. And so naturally, whether it's through death, divorce, or even just like you're saying earlier on, if we take it outside that context, it's going to be a painful separation Mm -hmm. when uh, those two things get ripped apart, essentially, because sex is designed to bond you with another person. Mm -hmm. And if that person isn't your spouse, then that's probably going to hurt once, you know, that they're not there anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we see like in Genesis one, like or, or two, it talks about like Adam and Eve became one flesh. Like it, it talks about, uh, it, it says uh, a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And so, like what you're saying there is like, and this is this is crazy. Like you think about it, but like God no longer sees a, a, a husband and a wife as 
two distinct people. He sees them as one flesh together. Like they are, there's this connection between them. And that's like that bonding, like you're talking about where they are together. And like, it's just, I mean, it's crazy. Like there is some, it's just so cool to be able to experience like that with your spouse. I mean, like I, I hope and I have been married for five years now. And like, she is amazing like and, and and we one of my it's so cool to be able to like um just share like this relationship with god with her and like i mean we are like we we just have a connection because of like this relationship that god has made and so we i just i yeah it's so cool just how god has designed this this two people to become one person. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, a lot of this kind of comes back to what you were initially talking about of, of some of the maybe unintended consequences. Um, they're actually intentional consequences yeah. that happen, but maybe we don't understand or we don't really know, or we can't see what some of the consequences would be if we move it outside. And one of those consequences is that painful separation mm-hmm. that can happen whenever we um, have sex outside of marriage. Uh, I'm curious, are there any other consequences that you think of um, as we're talking about this topic and why we should save ourselves for marriage. Yeah, I think um, so. Sex causes us to be vulnerable. Like we are, like that person. We're opening ourselves up to that person and saying, like, man, I, we are going to be connected. And so, like that person can hurt you so deeply mm. at that point. And uh, yeah, they definitely like we can be hurt by other people. Um, that like we're friends with that we're in a relationship with, but there's something about once you, you have sex with that person and they hurt you. Um, like it is deeper, um, because of that relationship yeah. and that connection that you've had. And I think that that's one of the the huge ones. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't, I don't know if I can think of anything else. Do you have any other yeah, I, I, there's a lot. There's a lot of things yeah. of um, reasons why you know. Obviously, like we could yeah. you know say, hey, save yourself from marriage. But I think practically where this question oftentimes comes to is, well, what are? If, okay, so I, I agree with you guys. Don't have sex before you're married. But like, how far is too far? Is another question that we'll get. And so maybe we could dip into some practical tips and tricks as far as. Uh, boundaries. How do I set boundaries? And even what are the right boundaries to set? So, you know, maybe as, as you think about boundaries or how far is too far, you know, things like that. Um, what, what are some things come to mind? Does anything come to mind for you? I know for me, one of the things that I think about is um, the pace analogy. Have I told you about this? Yes, I think so. Yeah. So, so oftentimes I, I find that students will be like, well, Adam, you know, how far is too far? Really? And I'm like, oh, okay. So usually when you're asking that, (laughs) you have something in mind. But but I love to take it a step back and just gain a a whole wide perspective. So I would say, hey, when when are you hoping to be married? You know, what what age? And they would say, I don't know, maybe after I graduate college, so like 22 to 23 or 24. I say, okay, how old are you right now? Maybe let's just say for this example, I'm I'm 14. Okay, so there's 10 years until you're married. Okay, so if you're going to, let's just say you find your future wife and you start dating her right now, what is the adequate pace that you need to sustain over the course of 10 years 
so that you can save yourself from marriage. Because oftentimes the inclination is to, you know, just go as fast as you can. You want, I mean, not even like in the physical ways, but even just the, the bonding, the friendship, mm-hmm. you know, you just want to know everything about that person, you know, so you have a rush or you have a tendency to rush the pace. But what I'm hoping that this question will do is get them to zone out and say, listen, we're not in any rush. We have plenty of time to, to build a friendship and to, um, you know, take things nice and slow. So, um, for me, whenever I'm asked that question, I usually like to ask, you know, well, what, what age are you hoping to get married and allow that to really set the pace? Because if you still have 10 years till you're wanting to get married, then we got, we got some other work to do than just answering the question of what boundaries there are to set. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Uh, one of the things that, that hope my wife always says this um, is when you're thinking about like um, how far is too far, she she tells people to ask this question. Well, what would you want somebody else to do with your spouse? Hmm. And, and just trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes where it's like, man, do I want somebody else to have sex with my spouse? Well, no, no, I don't want them to. Do I want them to like whatever, whatever it is. And, and really like, just trying to think of it that way of like, man, if I don't want somebody else to do this with, with the person that I'm going to be married to, then why should I want to do this with this person? Mm-hmm. If I don't know, I'm going to marry them, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that's the, the, the problem is we are like, uh, and we start off a relationship and we're like, man, this, this person, I, I'm going to get married. Like, oh man, I love this person. And it's like, there's always that chance that you don't get married. And so just like, until you get married, Really just trying to, to to think of that way of like, okay, I don't want to, in case this isn't the person that I'm going to marry, I want to protect them and I want to protect myself too um, from, from doing anything that we're going to regret. Yeah. And I think a lot of this even ties back to our conversation last week, uh, just how to be content in singleness. Because oftentimes we look to not only relationships, but also physical relationships to fill maybe some kind of void or to give us an identity. And really the the first step for a lot of us is just learning how to be content yeah. no matter what your situation is in. And so if you haven't checked out last week's podcast, um, maybe press pause or after this episode is over, go back and listen to it. Cause I think, again, that is a precursor to even this conversation that we're having right now. Yeah. And as you were talking about that, it's like, I just think of like, in the culture that we live in, um, we want things like now we can get on Amazon and we can order something and have it the next day. Mm. And like, we have this mindset of, I don't want to wait for that. I, I, this is a good thing. Give it to me now. Yeah. Like, why would I wait for that? I don't have to wait for anything else. Uh, and so like we, we take that into relationships and just with sex and we're like, man, this is a good thing. I want, I want a piece of that now. Mm-hmm. I, I give it to me now. And, and like, ultimately that's not good. That's not, that's not right. And, and like we were talking about earlier, like waiting for that, waiting for the right moment is going to be so much better. Um, and so just like learning to be like, okay, I need to be patient. Mm-hmm. I need to do this how God wants me to do this. Um, and sorry, we were on boundaries. I know I just went back. No, to no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're good. Well, and I think that even dips into another principle yeah. that I was even thinking of, and it, it, it goes back to the garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was cool because just this last Sunday, I actually talked about the Garden of Eden and our Sunday morning series that we were doing called Death to Life. And one of the unique things that happens in the Garden of Eden is um, the serpent almost distorts what true freedom looks like. Mm-hmm. 
And I think the serpent wants to get Eve to think that freedom is being able to indulge in whatever it is that you want. And that's almost like society's way of saying that you're actually free. True freedom means that you're not chained or shackled to anything, but you can do whatever it is that you want. It's like, I can say yes to anything. When in actuality, true freedom is the ability to be able to say no to the right things. Mm. Because you are not a slave or chained to your flesh or to whatever it is that's out there. True freedom is being able to say, you know what? That looks great, but I don't need that. In my opinion, I think that is almost what the true freedom looks like. And if, you know, Eve would have been able to say no, things would have maybe looked a lot Mm -hmm. different, you know, for us. But um, I think that comes back down to exactly what you were talking about, not just this contentment and um, being able to wait and be patient. It it almost comes back down to what does true freedom look like? Is freedom being able to say yes and then almost becoming a slave to sin or a slave to your desires and your feelings? Or is true freedom actually being able to say no to the things that you really maybe deep down want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I guess just going back to boundaries a little bit here, I just wanted to say like, um, I think that one of the best things that you can do early on in a relationship is have like a boundaries talk. Mm-hmm. And I know it's super, it could be kind of awkward. And like, I, 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 I've had that awkward talk. Mm-hmm. Um, Hope and I, when we started dating, it was one of those, like pretty early on, um, I was like, hey, like, can we talk about boundaries? Um, and that is so important because if you don't put roadblocks up, you don't put things in the, in the path, like you're not going to stop. Mm-hmm. You're going to, you're going to go all the way. Um, and really like you need to have something in, in place to like check, like, okay, did we can't go past this, this, mm-hmm. um, and really just knowing each other's expectations of like, okay, this is what I expect. This is, this is like, this is too far. Um, and just trying to be upfront because that is so important to know what the other person is thinking and also to know what, so that they know what you're thinking. Yeah. Having those conversations up front, it allows you to be proactive. Mm -hmm. Um, and to not just be like, okay, we'll wait and see how things go, but to say, no, this is something I really care about. This is something I truly value. And because I value it, I want to make sure that we're on the same page and we hold each other accountable with that. But when it comes to accountability, if it's just between you two, then, you know, you can always budget a little mm-hmm. bit and be like, well, you know, maybe let's, let's, let's rearrange things. And that's why I think it's important to even bring others in on that as well, whether it's a friend mm-hmm. or a family member or something like that. Um, if maybe your significant other, you know, has, comes from a, you know, a healthy, uh, you know, household, or maybe they have a mom or a dad in the picture that loves them and takes good care of them and stuff. Like that would be a great person to just like build a relationship with of, you know, like if you're a guy, you know, go up to your girlfriend's dad and strike up a relationship with him and say, and say like, I want to honor your daughter. And I want you to even hold me accountable to that. Like, holy cow, yeah. you want to wow. talk about accountability. Yeah. Like that's not just your friends, that's someone's daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think taking a step back, that's where all of this kind of comes into perspective is the person you are in relationship with is not yours. Mm -hmm. They are someone else's. And when marriage happens, then you become one, then you belong to one another. But until that time comes, they actually belong, you know, ultimately to God first, but they also belong to someone else. That's someone's daughter. 
You know, that's someone's son. And we need to uh, learn how to treasure people in that kind of way mm-hmm. um, and take that back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have my my best friend. Um, I, like, currently he's in a relationship. They're engaged. And, like, I, uh, on a pretty frequent basis, will ask him, like, hey, how are things going physical boundary-wise? And, like, we are just – we have a, a – a conversation about that and like it's just like we need other people like adam was saying where we, we, we need somebody in our life to ask us that question the hard questions because if we don't have that like we're gonna like and nobody's checking us it's just so easy to can keep messing up and yeah. and to go farther than we need um i wanted to say that like man if if you're in a relationship and somebody um does not respect your boundaries um you should not be in that relationship this is something that's really, really important because like we, um, if we truly love someone, we are going to want to do, um, what, what they want, you mm-hmm. know, like, and, and we're going to do, want to do things that are, are good for them for their, their good, I guess, as, as a better way to say that, like the things that are going to help them and, and make them better. And, and if you have somebody in your life, that's like, man, I don't care about your boundaries. I, this is what I want. Like that person does not care enough about you. Um, they don't love you the way that they should. And so I think that that is like a major red flag in a relationship. And that's something that honestly, like maybe it's not a, a, a you need to end the relationship right then and there, but that's something you need to talk to them about mm-hmm. of like, man, this is a red flag. Like, I don't know. I, I can't put up with this. Like, this is something that's really important to me. Like these boundaries are. And so just trying to like, I just wanted to say that because I think that's really important. And like a lot of the times it's easy to be like, okay, well, this person wants this. Like, I want to give that to them. Um, They want to do this. They're like, okay, I want to make them happy. And it's like, no, like if this is important to you, then it should also be important to them. Yeah. Oh man, that'll preach that. That's, that's really good. Um, Because ultimately what we would hate is someone to hijack the word love and turn mm-hmm. it into manipulation yes. where it's like, Hey, if you loved me, you would do this when actually well, like, that's not love at all. Love nope. is self-sacrificing. It's, it's giving up the terrible need to have things your way. And it's this mutual submission to each other where you're looking out, not just for your own interest, but for the interest of the other person. So that is, that is huge. Um, and, and actually, you know, as we're kind of wrapping things up in the last couple of minutes here, you know, we talked a lot about like why it's important to wait, um, how to be content, um, how to set boundaries, things like that. But I also know that whenever we have this conversation, there are always people who are coming with their own backpack and baggage of things. Um, Maybe they're wrestling with guilt and shame of previous mistakes and decisions that they've made. And so um, the beautiful thing about the God that we serve is that he's, he's a redeemer. He, he takes what the enemy meant for evil and he brings about good from those situations. So if there's someone listening to this podcast right now, Daniel, and maybe they are wrestling with some of their own baggage, some of their guilt and shame from decisions that they've made, um, what would be maybe like a word of, of hope or encouragement mm-hmm. that you would want to share to them um, as they're wrestling through maybe their past? Yeah. Um, our God is a God of redemption. Um, and, and I think of, man, there's, there's a, there's a, the book of Hosea. That's right. Yeah. I always f- forget which book it is, but it's Hosea. Um, and it's, he was, a, he was a prophet and, and, um, God told Hosea to go and marry a prostitute. 
Um, and, and in that book, we see the prostitute like leave him and yet he goes back and gets her and like, um, and, and it's really this picture of what God does for his people. Mm-hmm. And it's just this, this beautiful picture of God's love and, and, and God's grace and mercy when we mess up. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to encourage you in that of like, man, you, if you've messed up, you know what we have messed up too. Uh, we're all sinners and, and we are all in need of God's grace. Uh, and, and you know what, that grace is, it, it, well, it's free to us, but it wasn't free. It was bought by the blood of Jesus yeah. who died on the cross for your sins. And so that you could have freedom from that sin. Uh, and so if you're coming with that baggage and you're coming with, um, as, uh, something that you've done in the past, know that, man, that was, that was paid for. Mm-hmm. by the blood of Jesus when he died in your place. And, and you were no longer a slave to that sin. You are free from that sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but also, the God's pretty clear in the Bible that, like, man, once we've been forgiven, he doesn't want us to continue in those sins, though. And so really just, like, you are, you're forgiven of that, but but change your ways. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't. You can you can do a relationship different going forward, and you can you can do a relationship and wait for sex going forward. And God can can take that, and He can redeem the situation, and He can give you a spouse in the future. And, and like, man, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be better um, if you do it God's way. Yeah, it reminds me of a Timothy Keller quote that I'm absolutely going to butcher because I don't have it right in front of me. But uh, to sum up exactly what you're saying, uh, essentially, I think what he says is God loves you just as you are right now. But because he loves you just as you are, he doesn't want you to stay where you are. You know, he has a a higher calling and he wants you to live into the fullness of uh, the identity that he wants to give you. And he has a better, um, you know, God has a better plan for our lives than we could ever, you know, think or imagine. And so part of it is learning that we are unconditionally loved by God. And because he loves us, he wants us to live into our true identity, which is only faith. In him. And so it's a calling that leave like that allows us to leave our sin behind. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And we live for the things of God, not just for the things of the world. And I think that's a that's a great word. We're so glad that you joined us um, here today for our episode of Why Save Myself for Marriage. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, we want to remind you to leave a review, leave five stars and a short little message for us if this has been helpful. Maybe share it with a friend or a family member that you know who would want to listen to this episode or to any of the episodes that we have published so far. But before we go, Daniel, do you have anything else you'd like to share? I just want to say, man, God's ways are the best ways. And we, a lot of the times, we think that sin um, will, uh, you always say it over, what do you say? I sin, really like it. Yeah, I, I think I said it on Sunday. Sin always overpromises yep. and underdelivers. Yes, absolutely. And like that is, I I love that. Um, and like, it, man, we we think that we what we want is is the best thing. But yet, I can promise you that that the way that God has designed things and the way that what God has made um, are the are the best things. And we can we can know that for a fact. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good word. Well, I'm excited for next week as we kick off another episode. We hope that you're continuing to journey with us. And as we close out this episode, we want you to remember, love God and love others. Have a great week. Yeah.